Ladies and gentlemen, welcome aboard. Today's edition, Human Events Daily. Top stories for today. Dr. Anthony Fauci is out, and what is he telling us? That now he's moving the goalposts again. Only three vaccines will be considered fully vaccinated. Second, a new poll is out. Americans do not support people losing their jobs if they decline to take the COVID vaccine. Third, we're going to give you an update on China's debt trap diplomacy and the Belt and Road Initiative. And finally, Dollar Tree becoming Dollar Fifty Tree, a new update on Bidenflation. All this and more ahead, Human Events Daily. So I know this is something that I've been focusing on a lot, and I know that it's also something where a lot of people want to know what's going on. After all, your jobs are dependent on it. Apparently, our military is dependent on it, which includes, of course, our national security, as well as various other industries, our shipping, our trucking, our airliners, right? All of these things depend on this new vaccination status. And yet here is Dr. Anthony Fauci. And what is he saying? I want you to be very careful as you listen to what he says here. He's talking about a third shot now being the qualification for full vaccination. Listen to an interview he just gave with The Atlantic that not a lot of people are paying attention to. I say that ultimately I believe that the optimal regimen for the vaccine for the mRNAs is going to include that third booster shot. And Tony, do you feel that that's been communicated the idea that the, the whole the plan was always going to be three doses because I, I sort of feel that it, it hasn't been which sort of leads to where we are now where two is considered full and third feels uh, like an extra and uh, in, in some places some people would argue unnecessarily so well um, Ed, I'm glad that you asked the question the way you asked it because, you know, I, I know you're a smart interviewer and you asked that, but we did not always know that a third dose would likely be an important part of the proper complete regimen. You recall, we went through it together, that in the early trials, we started off with a prime, followed by a boost, three weeks for Pfizer, four weeks for Moderna. The results were so strikingly good, both in the animal model and in the phase one, phase two trial of the induction of a high level of one of the parameters of immunity, which is neutralizing antibody, that given the emergent nature that we were having a lot of people in this country and in the world dying, that we didn't have the luxury to say, wait a minute, you know what we're gonna do? We're going to try multiple different doses and make sure we get it just right. We were in an emergency situation. So we went with what was really good, a prime and a boost that already the track record. So now you've heard it. The optimal regimen is the third shot, which includes the booster. Understand what's happening here. The goalposts are being moved yet Again, this keeps happening over and over. And every single time you listen to the words that he uses at the very end of what he's saying there, he's saying, well, it was an emergency. We weren't sure exactly how many doses we should talk about. We just had to get people to line up and get the shots. We didn't know it wasn't our fault. He always uses that bureaucratic 
um, you know, word salad approach to being able to essentially say, I can do whatever I want, I can say whatever I want, and it doesn't matter what I said before because the science has changed. So do you get the trap that he's putting people in if you go along with this? First of all, he says, when I say something, you can't challenge it. You're not allowed to challenge it anymore, certainly not on social media. You cannot challenge what I say because I am science, right? He said that before. But then when he changes what he said, he says that's okay because the science itself has changed and therefore I can change, right? Understand, this is not how science is supposed to work. This is scientism. Science works by a process of challenging presuppositions, challenging statements, right? We used to believe in uh, a geocentric universe. Now we have a heliocentric, right? So we used to believe that the Earth was at the center of the solar system. Now we believe the sun is the center. That was Copernicus uh, who figured that out, proud Polish scientist, by the way. Um, and so understand, it's through challenging results. Science is a process. Understand the scientific method. And also understand that when it comes down to it, you have to go to a process of making sure people are testing negative. Vaccine passports will never work. And if you read between the lines of what Fauci is saying, the fact that the science, quote unquote, keeps changing, that is why. You cannot stand for vaccine passports. That is medical tyranny. This will continue to change. What are they gonna say? Now you need a third one to get your passport? No, I don't think so. No more checking the box, Dr. Fauci. Stay tuned, HED Daily, be right back. Well, a new poll is out from the polling firm Trafalgar Group, and the results are actually quite startling. This is a, regarding the vaccine mandates. And what's very interesting is when you see a lot of these polls that are out there on vaccine mandates, specifically the ones referred to by the administration that Joe Biden and the White House are trying to push, they always say they support our agenda. The American people support our agenda. They talk about this with the spending bill. They talk about this with infrastructure. They talk about this with so many, raising the debt ceiling, et cetera, et cetera. When we know that doesn't exactly sound, specifically raising the debt ceiling, for example, that doesn't exactly sound like something that people are going to want to be supporting. It's not exactly something that seems that would get broad spread, uh, widespread support, right? You know, oh, we're going to raise the debt ceiling. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's all get our country and our future and our, our generations, our descendants, their descendants all into deeper and deeper debt, right? It doesn't make a lot of sense. It's all about the wording of the questions, all about the wording of the questions. So when they refer to these polls that say, oh, people broadly support the vaccinations, they'll essentially say, oh, well, it's they support vaccines being available. But when you ask the question this way, and I really appreciate the way Trafalgar did this and the way they set it up, because it really cuts to the heart of the matter. Because what they're asking is, do you support the idea of people being fired from their jobs if they decline the COVID vaccination. And guess what? 65% of US voters said, no, we do not support people being fired from their jobs if they decline the COVID vaccine. Understand that, and I talked about that at the start of this. This is our truckers. This is people involved in shipping. This is our military. That's your national security, folks. The Navy SEALs, people who are going on the line, the shooters of the Navy SEALs. We're not talking about the admin, we're not talking about logistics. Don't get me wrong, I love my logistics folks, I love my admin, love my J1, but at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the people who are at the tip of the spear are those Navy SEALs. And we talked yesterday 
about the great NBA star who came out from Orlando Magic and was talking about his decision to decline the vaccine. And he gave a very smart answer. He explained the data behind it. He explained the science. He said, look, this is based on immunity. He said, it's something where, you know, I think that because of where I am, my physical condition, as well as the fact that I don't have comorbidities, I'm not obese, uh, I don't have pre-existing, you know, the uh, immunocompromised positions, conditions, then it makes sense. It just makes sense. And there's something broadly, I think, anti-American about saying that we should fire people from their jobs, take away their livelihoods. I, I, I know people like this. I have a friend, Ashley St. Clair. She's been posting about this quite profusely, that her sister, who is currently five months pregnant, is now unemployed because she declined to take the vaccine. Now imagine that. Imagine being a company. And re remember, this is all for your health, right? It's all for your health. But we're supposed to say, for a five-month pregnant woman, for her to lose her job in the middle of the pregnancy, imagine the stress. Imagine the stress that that puts on somebody. Imagine the additional burden of responsibility that puts on that family. That's ridiculous. That's why I take a stand and we take a stand here against the vaccine mandates. We're all about letting medicine be available to people. But by the way, if you're gonna do that, Make it something that's voluntary. The ACLU, by the way, I talk about this all the time, they used to be totally against vaccine mandates. Why? Because vaccine mandate, if you're pro-vaccination, right, if you want more people to get vaccinated, then the studies are clear on this. Vaccine mandates actually drive vaccine hesitancy because you will get people who dig in, that become reticent to get this thing, they feel like they're being forced to do it, that it's being jammed down their throats, right, figuratively, obviously, uh, jammed to their arms, I suppose would be a better example, but they don't want to do it because they're being forced to do it by big government. And Jen Psaki and Joe Biden can say it's not a federal mandate all they want, but we know the absolute truth, okay? This is a federal mandate. This is something that has come down. Ron Paul and others used to warn about this back during the Obamacare debates. They said, be careful of allowing the federal government to have the power of decisions over your health. Do not Give them that power. Do not cede that power to the government. These are your rights, period. And here's the thing. We've already seen in the science that people who have been vaccinated can still spread this thing. You know, so we were at a, we had a Primus concert last night and they were not checking for this. They were not checking for tests. They were not checking for vaccination status, which is very interesting. But here's something that I thought about. I said, you know, even if you have the vaccination, that doesn't mean that you're not testing positive. That doesn't mean that you're not spreading it. So if you are worried about turning an event into a super spreader event, then my question becomes, if that's the case, shouldn't you just be doing tests anyway? I don't think vaccine passports make much sense because if we've seen this thing and it says that you can still spread it, then shouldn't we just be doing negative tests? And so if you wanna get on an airplane, you wanna to go to a concert, you wanna do something like that, wouldn't that make more sense? Wouldn't that just make more sense? But at the end of the day, wouldn't the thing that makes the most sense is allowing the American people to make their own decisions. Protect the people who are at the most risk. Obviously, that makes sense. But we are over a year and a half into this thing. We know which categories those are. We know which people we need to focus on. And it's not healthy American people. Stay tuned. More ahead. Human Defense Daily.
Now we're gonna do something here on Human Events Daily that I don't think a lot of people are gonna give you, um, but that is, of course, the bottom line up front, be good, be brief, be gone, right? Something that you need to know going forward in the future. Here's an update on China's Belt and Road Initiative. Remember, that's the initiative that China is using to build their supply chains around the globe. They're focusing on resources in Africa. They're talking about shipping lines, building a new maritime Silk Road along with a land-based Silk Road. So they're really looking in South Asia as well as across Central Asia. So that you take China where it is on the map and you look across, building out from that. That is why people kept asking me, why is China getting in bed with the Taliban, right? Look at the map, understand what's going on. New headline up, go to humanevents.com. You can get all the information here. The new article is up, a report that's coming out from Aid Data, which is a research center out of William & Mary. Listen to this. 42 countries owe $385 billion to China. And the countries they're focused on are all the way up to exceeding 10% of their annual gross domestic product. This has been reported in the Wall Street Journal, but the story is not actually getting a lot of attention. So that's why we're double tapping it on humanevents.com. This secret debt is considered secret because this is actually off the books from the central government's debt. We're talking about state-owned debt because here's, here's the way it works. Because for a lot of these countries, the World Bank, the IMF, et cetera, they were saying, we're not gonna allow you to get into this because this debt, it's getting too high, there's getting too much. But China says, fine, we'll go around that. We'll go around the government and we'll work with the state-owned enterprises, we'll work with public corporations, we'll work with any industry that we know is backed up by the full faith and credit, right, of your system, even if it's not on the books. So this is $385 billion that China has extended to these countries, and some of these are extremely low-income countries in terms of global poverty rates, and they're saying, we are gonna get you more and more into debt, make you more indebted to us. And what do they do? They ask for the strategic resources, they ask for their strategic infrastructure, and they say, well, this may not be as important to you, but to us, it's absolute treasure. So understand some of the stuff that they're looking into. And I want to do a map break to explain to people what's going on. Listen, look at this stuff. The Gwadar port of Pakistan, the Obak military base in Djibouti, 1,000 square miles of land in Tajikistan, Central Asia. The entire energy grid of Laos is now being run by a Chinese company. Southeast Asia, and then finally, the second largest deep water port of Sri Lanka. So when you look at all of this on the map, you can see it's an encirclement operation when it comes to the country of what? India, Southeast Asia, that South Asia, Sri Lanka, of course, that teardrop island just off the coast of India, and then of course, Pakistan, which, which is probably the most belligerent and aggressive country when it comes to India. They're India's largest adversary uh, in terms of South Asia. Of course, India's largest adversary writ large is China itself. So understand what China is doing here. They are building a new system. The goal is to replace the United States as the world reserve currency. And if China is able to replace the United States as the world reserve currency and eventually get it to the point where the petrodollar is knocked off. So the petrodollar, for people to understand, that means that all oil transactions are done in US-backed dollars. So when the US wants to buy oil, they can buy for it. But any other country, before they buy the oil, they have to trade their currency into US dollars and then purchase the oil. 
China is eventually setting up their own system through BRI to be able to circumvent that so the countries can check out. Now, they still do it. They still have the U.S. dollar as this. And so, you know, we don't have the, uh, the gold standard anymore since 1971, but we do have the petrodollar standard. But once that's gone, the inflationary effect that will have on U.S. dollars and U.S. cash will be absolutely tremendous. You want to talk about a nation in decline. You want to talk about America in decline. If we lose the petrodollar status, you are going to see massive inflation, the likes of which you have never seen. And we're already seeing a little bit of inflation right now. And that's what we're going to talk about in the very next segment. We're going to do a Bidenflation update. But I want you to understand that all of this is linked. We are connecting the dots. BRI, the petrodollar, world reserve currency, to Dollar Tree. To Dollar Tree, right? I know. Stay tuned. We'll explain. Coming up. Well, it's time for a Bidenflation update. What is Bidenflation? You're living it. Every time you go to the store, you're feeling it. When you go to fill up at the pump, which everybody knows that gas prices have gone through the roof since the Biden administration took place. And now, because of stagflation, that means jobs are not rising the way they should be, but prices are rising. This is a very similar situation that we've had under Jimmy Carter. Listen to the headline that's coming out of where? Dollar Tree. Yes, that's right, Dollar Tree, like the dollar store. AP, Dollar Tree breaks the $1 barrier as costs take a bite. Dollar Tree embedded its very name in what it stands for. Behind these doors, everything can be had for just $1. The mantra to which the company has held true for decades will now only mostly be true. After expanding nationwide from only a handful of stores in Georgia, Tennessee, and Virginia, Dollar Tree is breaking the mold and will sell items in some locations that exceed the $1 grab-and-go price. The cost of clothes, cars, food, and just about everything else has soared this year, and Dollar Tree has not been untouched. Last month, the retail chain said that rising shipping costs would take a bite of $1.50 to $1.60 out of its per-share profits this year. That's a huge hit for any business. Perhaps more so for one founded decades ago, calling itself only $1 Inc. Folks, Dollar Tree is going to become $1.50 Tree. You know, I don't know if they're going to call it that, but understand. For working class Americans, for working class families, this is something where the dollar store going up, gas prices, these are, look, I understand, you know, we talk about a lot of heady issues here. We talk about geopolitics. We talk about the rise of China. We talk about petrodollar world, et cetera, et cetera, right? A lot of these things are stuff that people go, people, normies, people outside the political sphere, people that aren't on Twitter 24-7, they're saying, look, that's, you know, interesting, great, incredible to know. What's the shade war update between Kamala and Biden? Sure, got it. How does that affect me? How does that affect my family? Well, you may not be interested in Bidenflation, but Bidenflation is interested in you, and it's interested in your family. This is not only a tax on working families, this is theft from working families, because that means if you're working for a wage, if you're working for a salary, every time, every paycheck that goes into your account, not only are you taxed on the withholding, no, 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 not only that, now, the amount of money you have is less value than it was a week ago, than it was a month ago, than it was a year ago. 
if you've got your your assets right in you know various investments, if you're in real estate, you're in precious metals, Bitcoin, et cetera, et cetera, crypto, right? You're you're going to be able to weather this. But if you're somebody out there that's living paycheck to paycheck, and for the millions and millions of Americans that are out there living like that, that's who I think about. Understand, this is all, and I keep bringing it back to this, and I want everyone to always understand this. This is being done by design. These are policy decisions that could be made in a different direction. If America ends up not being this sort of global hegemon with an international uh, empire that we're focused on, right, all of these different entanglements, then we need to shore up our country, and so be it. But we have to start thinking about what that looks like, and we have to start looking at it in terms of this. And really, when somebody said America first, that's exactly what they were talking about. Thank you so much again, folks, for listening. But before we leave, I want to remind you to take time, share this with your normie friends. Make sure you're subscribed, make sure you're doing the download and you get it out there. We give you the bottom line up front. This is your daily briefing, the fastest and most high impact information and analysis that you can get. And we're not going to give you any of the garbage. We're not, I'm not going to give you my hot take on everything. Well, maybe a little bit of hot takes. But get it out. Human events data. We're back up. I just checked it this morning. Number two, Apple Politics Podcast. And thank you so much. God bless. Before we go, today's moment in history is actually a personal one. As of today, I am 16 years sober. And I thank God for that. I thank my family. I thank my friends and my support network. If you are out there and interested in doing this, Young Kings, Sober October starts tomorrow. Why don't you join us? That's all the time we have at Human Events Daily. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, you have my permission to lay ashore.